0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. How would you define the word faith? I mean, the word has uh, religious origins and undertones, but it's ubiquitous in the world. People talk about their faith in humanity, or something that requires a leap of faith. Uh, And because it's used so liberally, its definition is shifty. Well, in this morning's reading from Hebrews, the author defines faith as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The author of Hebrews says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place not knowing where he was going. In other words, you can't have faith if you know where you're going. (laughs) Which is a comforting thought, because not knowing where one is going is a universal part of life. When my wife, Maddie, and I moved our family down to Durham, North Carolina last year for me to finish seminary, the future felt very unknown. We did not know where we were going to end up. And as our moving day approached, a friend of mine offered a helpful three-word nugget of advice. He said, when you get to Durham, don't say no. Don't say no. And then he walked away. So I'm not sure what he meant, but I think his point was that when you're in a new place, it can be overwhelming. When it feels like you're starting from scratch, you're figuring out your routine all over again, like where to buy groceries and what your day is going to look like. Um, there's a natural tendency to hunker down. But my friend was suggesting an openness to the strange. And as our family settled into Durham, which by the way, it's not like we were moving to Mongolia, Durham is very similar to Charlottesville, <laughs> it turns out. But as we settled in, we took his advice literally we decided not to turn down any social invitations. And so as we would schlep our kids out of the car for another dinner party or a cookout, Maddie and I would share a glance that basically communicated, well, here goes nothing. Because that's all we had at that given moment, a gracious dinner invitation from a stranger and a mustard seed of faith. And what happened? Well, we met a lot of strange people. <laughs> we decided to come back to Charlottesville. <laughs> no, what actually happened was that we made deep friendships people we hope to know for the rest of our lives. One of, us, one of them just visited us this weekend, and we couldn't see that going forward, but we can see it in the rear view. And we still are so grateful for our time there. But our experience is nothing unique. Think about your own life for a second. Where do you not know where you are going? It could be geographic. It could be tied to a new relationship or the end of a relationship or a diagnosis or a loss. Uh, anything that is ushering in newness in your life, wherever you feel like you're on the edge of the unknown, what would it take for you to not say no? so to speak. Well, if you understand human nature at all, you know the honest answer is that it would take a miracle. The word no is deeply embedded into the human psyche. It's often the first word we learn as children. Our culture, it prizes it as the noble alternative to being a yes man. It's like the worst thing you could be these days is a yes man. You and I say no all the time, whether it's out of fear or fatigue or resentment. And of course, there, there are plenty of reasons to say no to things. But at least to me, a life generally lived out of no it feels like a sad one. Whereas a life marked by yes can feel like a working definition of faith. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a resounding, confident yes, even when it's done reluctantly. Simply not saying no wedges a foot in a door that would otherwise stay closed. That's an unsettling place. Saying no comes at little cost, whereas saying yes could cost you everything you have. There's a movie that came out last year called Yes Day, with Jennifer Garner, where for 24 hours, the parents of a family agree to say yes to whatever their kids suggest. Everything from the gut buster challenge at the ice cream parlor, to going through a car wash with the windows down. Chances are your kids, if they're young, they will love this movie and you will hate this movie. But if you watch it, you'll see that saying yes to each other brings this family much closer together than they were before. Think of the people in your life who symbolize the word yes. For me, I think of my high school youth leader. Kids of all ages, boys in particular, and any kid who had a hard time falling in line would flock to this man because He let them be ridiculous. He let them be who they actually were. And while everyone else in their life, parents, teachers, uh, even their own internal voice would constantly say no, he would say yes. Who represents yes in your own life? Who's your yes man? Whoever it is, I bet that person has a deep abiding faith and the faith of Abraham that we read about in Hebrews is no different Hebrews says by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called by faith he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised by faith he received power of procreation even though he was too old and Sarah herself was barren There's a reason why Abraham is known as the father of our faith. When Abraham was 99 and childless, God shows him the night sky and promises that he will have as many descendants as the stars. And how does the father of our faith respond to that? Well, he doesn't say no, but it's not exactly a resounding, confident yes. The the book of Genesis says, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? And his wife Sarah is no different It says, Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I be fruitful? And they laugh, but the joke is completely lost on God. He's too genuine for their cynicism. There's actually a funny exchange in Genesis where it says, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? And then Sarah actually denies it and says, I didn't laugh. Like, I I just choked taking a sip of water. And God says, yes, you did laugh. it's always awkward when you have to explain why something is funny, especially when that person is God. But while they laugh at God's ludicrous promise of having a baby in their 90s, God says, I'm not joking. What's so funny? And one chapter later, Isaac is born. Isaac, whose name means he will laugh. Only then, after her son is born, Sarah's own laughter turns sincere. She says, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. Who would have ever said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And So laughter in this story is the, the appropriate response because what has happened is absurd. The letter to the Romans says, Abraham's body was as good as dead. And Sarah's womb was also dead. In other words, God says, from a double dead scenario, I'm going to bring life. What else can you do but laugh? It was funny then, and it's funny now. Faith, you see, is a double laughter. There are two laughters of faith. The first is the laughter of human impossibility that Abraham and Sarah looked at themselves and laughed. And the second is the laughter of surprise when God makes the impossible come true. Faith laughs at itself and says, I can't. And it laughs with joy in response to God and says, he can. Faith says no to me and faith says yes to God. And of course, we are only open to the absurd, when all other alternatives are exhausted. The birthplace of the Christian faith is at the grave of our faith in everything else, in ourselves, in humanity. Faith only happens when you have nothing to lose, when you are 99 and are told you are going to have a baby. What's your own version right now? What in your life feels too wonderful for God? Is it to be reconciled with someone with whom you haven't talked for years? Is it finding a spouse? Is it falling back in love with your current spouse? I mean, whatever it is, know that God's promise is always that which is humanly impossible. From a camel going through the eye of a needle to God's temple being torn down and raised three days later. In other words, God's specialty is your futility. It may feel like a joke or something that is just too good to be true, but nothing is too wonderful for God. And the truth, the hard truth of this story today is that neither Abraham or Sarah lived to see the complete fulfillment of God's promise. They were called to a promised land, but they died as wandering nomads. They were promised innumerable offspring, but they just had one son together. In the end, there was little they could do but hope and trust that God would be faithful somewhere down the line. Dying before God's promise to them was completely fulfilled. It may have seemed like their faith was in vain, or that they didn't have enough faith. It may have seemed like they should have just said no to God at the start. And this is how we often respond to God. Jesus' death on the cross was the world's emphatic no to God. But the God we are dealing with is a God that defeated death, where death is not the end, and he is a God that will not take no for an answer. There are very few times when Jesus ever said no to someone, and there was never a time when he simply walked away from a person in need. His yes was given to everyone. Particularly those who were well acquainted with hearing no. Jesus was the divine yes to the no of the world. As the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians As surely as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes period. For in him, every one of God's promise is a yes. It's in the Bible. What does this mean for you? Well, it will sound like good news if you're someone who's a little bit yes and no, who trusts God but doesn't trust God at the same time. If you're someone who says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. If you're someone who cannot help but just laugh at the promise that nothing is too wonderful for God. Faith, you see, is not something that we generate, but a gift that we just receive from God. Faith is not identical with piety. It is simply surrendering your control to God when you do not know where you are going. What is faith but one's hesitant surrender to God's insane promise? One could even say that the entire Christian life is nothing but a strange, bumbling adventure after a person simply says yes to Jesus. But before you even think of saying yes, know that he first has said yes to you. Amen.